so many people who are struggling with death get shut down by their friends if they try and talk about it. They say, no, let's be positive. So I'd encourage you to not just ignore that, but to be prepared to open the conversation and have an honest conversation about death and about the future. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 594. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so happy to have you here. And just based off the pre-chat alone, I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Patrick Willis. Patrick is the director of Unfinished Business and has quite a backstory to share about. Oh my gosh, we've already been having a blast. We've been poking fun at the names that people in our families get called, including Pat. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know we're going to have a blast. But Patrick, welcome so much to Positive Productivity. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege. Oh my gosh. And all of that was on only one sip of coffee for the whole day so far. Can you believe that? (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) I know. Listeners, I just have to tell you, like I I made Patrick wait like two minutes so I could go get my coffee. And podcasting really does give a high. That's all that I can say about that. But Pat, would you mind sharing where you came from and how you got to where you are today, along with a little bit about what you do, because you know your story better than anybody else. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, if, if people have heard unfinished business, they're probably kind of wondering even what, what that is. I mean, essentially what like I... the story what, of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah a, lot, a lot of us, that, that's very true. This came to me, I, I was literally out walking by myself, I mean, and I got a lot to think and pray and meditate. And this crazy idea just dropped in my head. And like a stone in my shoe, it would not go away. And my background is, I'm an engineer. I'm an IT guy. I've been a corporate executive. And I got tired of being the corporate drone and thought, how can I use my skills to make a bit of a difference in the world and this idea came in my head wouldn't it be amazing if i could help people who'd received a life-threatening or a terminal diagnosis and i thought that's crazy i wouldn't even know where to start with that but it wouldn't go away can it just would this idea would just not go away i tell you so then i started to look at what it would take to do that and realize that who's there to help you grab your hand when you walk out of the doctor's office if you've got that kind of diagnosis, help you deal with your family, your friends, your difficult thoughts, and help you focus on what matters? And I thought, why not me? Wow, that is so powerful. So you're out walking. This thought hits you. But I'm curious, had anybody in your family or close to you just been diagnosed? I mean, do you have any idea where this inspiration came from? It's an obvious question. And all the kind of pretty much every book I've read on the subject since the person's their backstory is exactly that. But mine is exactly, yeah, I mean, things have happened in my life. My wife's had breast cancer and, and she's she's recovered and so forth. My parents both died. I've been through it. But that really wasn't it. I think it just came from just working out really where I could make a, a huge difference in the world. And it came out of nowhere, literally, Kim, this idea came out of nowhere. It wasn't <laughs> anything I was aiming towards at all until past two years. It's become my absolute passion. I absolutely love that. So in, in 2016, I don't know if you've heard this, Patrick, and for listeners who have heard it before, you know, I have a tendency to repeat stories. Just bear with me. And in 2016, I had entered a period of severe sleep deprivation. And in July of 2016, uh-huh. I found myself suicidal. 
And up until that point, I thought that my purpose, that my passion was all about digital marketing and building funnels and just helping clients get themselves out there. Uh But in that very moment where I had my aha and quite literally my come to Jesus moment, I realized that was not my purpose. Like my purpose was actually to help other entrepreneurs not get to that point that I was at by helping them set up the systems that they needed to avoid getting there, like give them sleep back. As I said, I was sleep deprived. I had been sleeping two to three hours a night for 18 months. And there's no reason why we need to build our business like that. So That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but so many entrepreneurs do it. And finally, it was like light dawns on Marblehead. That's, you know, now I see how what I was doing before meshed with this newfound passion and uh-huh. it all works together. Like I can better explain why it's that important to me. So I... I don't care where the idea came from. Like, I think that that could have sounded mean, but I didn't mean it mean at mm. all. But you've been through it when it deeply roots in your soul like that. That's just like, ah, oh, I hear you. I mean, I can't it's go funny, back yeah? now. No, I've had a similar journey to you, Kim. Again, I, I'm a techie. I can do all the final stuff. I can build all my own stuff. And I have done it for other people. But I started doing it and thought, nah, I can do this. But... <laughs> You know, I'm not that passionate about it particularly. Uh, and then suddenly I am. But it's interesting. I was listening to one of your guests, uh, Daniel Gomez, I think. And he said when his wife was dying of breast cancer, he said it was like being hit by an 18-wheeler. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I can help people who are in that space. And that's just so exciting. Oh, my gosh. You two should connect. I can connect you. I mean, mm. can't even imagine. I mean, well, you two have both been through it with your wives. And so many other husbands or significant others have been through it with their wife. It's not crazy, but I know that breast cancer, you know, even men can get it. Yeah. yeah. So 4% I believe. Yeah. So it's not, that's not even talking about all the other different types of cancers. And unfortunately, there are the people who were, will just pick up and leave because they don't know how to handle it, which I think is... Personally, I think it's disgusting, I just got to say, but it does happen. Regardless of whether you're the spouse or you're the patient, there's support that's necessary because who knows what to do and what to say and what another day is going to bring. Yeah, most people don't. And I guess there was a time when I would have been in that position. So I decided when this idea came to me, I kind of had to face it head on. So I just got up and volunteered in the hospice as part of the uh, spiritual care team and started meeting you know, people who were dying very regularly and found out that it was not it was something I could do learn to do well I kind of had to test it in a way though but for a lot of them when you talk to them some of their friends just don't know how to handle it so some draw closer and other people who were close step away and that's not the person's fault at all that's just that that the friend's inability to cope I don't feel proud to admit this but I suffered a lot or I went through a lot of infertility myself and then one of my sisters went through the same and even though I had already been through it before she went through it I didn't know how to support her Mm. so I feel bad now especially in the midst of this conversation I stepped back and didn't say anything and I wasn't there and I just can't imagine you know I probably wasn't the only one but that's got to just feel so bad. So I want to ask, so Patrick, are you 
only working with terminally ill, like cancer patients, or what about people who have faced disabilities that were unexpected? I mean, I, I have to say, I'm thinking about my husband. He was a he was in the Air Force and got injured, and it's changed his life forever. Well, I'd since you asked that, I mean, I'm I'm pretty flexible on the whole. I mean, I've done quite a bit of coaching in my background, and I just figured this is what I should be really focusing my, my time on. But when you look at areas like like disability there's a lot in common in terms of there's an immediate trauma in some cases people feel numb depending what they've done they can feel guilty for the lifestyle choices they've made or angry that they've been made really good choices and it hasn't paid off and so a lot of those same those same emotional issues come into play so so yeah i I deal with people who are in, in different places on their journey and again it's the same as you say with with the friends again if people don't know how to deal with that don't know how to cope sometimes step away in fact i did a, i got this is such a common problem I, I actually did a youtube video about here send a link send this to your friends so this is this is a tutorial for them on how to talk to you <laughs> i think it's so necessary though i mean i'm thinking when friends or family members close people have died that was not the best way to put in that but when there's a death with someone i know i often don't know what to say so I used to just not say anything, mm. but now I just say I'm sending you hugs because to me, I'm sorry, wasn't necessarily the best thing. Okay. I grew up way too close to Canada and I'm just going to say blame Canada. I know that that's not really appropriate use of humor there. Your accent kind of gives that away a bit. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> so I said, sorry, way too much. I still say sorry in my opinion, way too much. But I realized that saying sorry for a death in someone else's family isn't necessarily, you know, the right words. There's got to be better words. And then I was reading a book or listening to a podcast and somebody said the best thing that you could possibly say is, how are you doing today? Today. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was a pivotal, and that was just in the past couple of months. I never thought about that. You mm. know, Asking how are you doing is a big loaded question, but asking somebody how they're doing in this very moment, wow, brings it down and you can better support them. Yeah, you've got it, Kim. That's the very first thing I learned when I started doing visiting in uh, hospice. That's the very first thing I learned today. It's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Even for my husband. I mean, so my husband, he ruptured one of his discs and herniated another one. So while he used to do martial arts, he can barely walk across the floor without his knees buckling now. So asking him something like, how are you doing? I have to say, and I'm not trying to, you know, pick on my husband day, but yeah. it gets him down a lot because very much like terminal illness. I mean, a part of him died. Yeah, you're mourning that. Absolutely. Yeah. He can no longer do the things that he wants to do. He wants to pick up the kids and he know he can't. He knows he can. But he knows he's going to pay the price later because he's going to get the fire shooting down his back and his legs. Yeah. So asking him a question like, how are you doing? Just on some of those days, you are not going to get a good answer at all. But if I asked him, how are you doing today? Like he's a video game designer now. And he might Neat. be very excited about, you know, the art that he just created or it brings it all back to the now. Mm. Now that's really powerful. That is really powerful. Can I share a really a related please thing that comes up that I've heard this so so many times from people who have a disability and terminal illness as well is this this people just come and go, "Oh, you've got to be positive. You've got to be positive. You've got to be positive." Now, I know the name of your podcast is Positive Productivity, and 
there's some really good things about being upbeat and specific positive emotions. But if you're naturally anxious and you don't feel positive and someone's saying to you, you must be positive, must be positive, you can make yourself worse because then you feel anxious about not being positive, which might make you worse. Then you feel more anxious and you get this real negative cycle. And sometimes if you don't, if you're trying to be positive all the time, put this sort of brave face on it, you don't allow yourself to process some of the difficult emotions that you're going to need to process. You push them down and storm up for later. I love that you brought that up. Yes, the name of my podcast is Positive Productivity. And in most cases, I am not a crier. In most cases, on most days, you can find me in a pretty positive state. And to some people, they might find it very annoying. But there are those days when I am, I've am i dealt with anxiety. I still deal with anxiety. And <laughs> my husband actually called me out on it last night. He said, it sounds like you're looking at the glasses half empty. That was not what I needed to hear in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is it husbands can always put their foot on that? I don't uh-huh. know. It's, we all do it. We all do it. <laughs> now, there were some choice words that I really wanted to say, but I was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm not. It is a glass half empty because you just need to let me get over like what's going on right now. And sometimes that big old messy disgusting cry is really what's necessary yeah yeah totally yeah yeah yeah. so what does this journey look like for you so i mean it's been what two years now you've been going through this but how how do you take this idea that you don't know where it came from and make something tangible from it yeah it took me a while and i'm still i mean i'm still on a journey with it really i'm I'm kind of just starting to build my practice up now and there's really two parts to it and I, when i started i didn't quite know what it would look like i just thought well okay i've got a lot of the skills already there's some i need to fill some gaps in my skill base so i started reading everything i could find at end of life instead i started so working in the local hospice and so forth but the hardest bit you know maybe kim you probably had something similar was letting go of everything else so i can make real time to do this but when I thought, saw the pain that so many people are going through, I thought, I have to, I have to do this. Because in the 21st century West, it's so hard for people to hear they might be dying. So we can comfortably ignore it until it's too late. Sorry, I'm getting off topic there. Horrible, horribly off topic. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, that's okay. Yeah, that yeah, happens yeah. constantly on the Positive Productivity Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I've come down really now to two things I promote and offer. And I do lots of other stuff. There you go. I still build odd websites and funnels for people in odd moments but i'm generally coming down now to two really core offers one of which is is one-on-one coaching for people who again have literally have walked out the doctor's office with a difficult diagnosis and again it might be terminal it might just be you know a long-term chronic illness or i haven't done anybody with the disability you're talking about but that would fall into that category and secondly i'm almost promoting more death awareness as well so there's a whole bunch of stuff now that anybody, regardless of their how healthy they are, their age, the thing they should do to protect themselves and their families against their unexpected death. Because no, none of us know how long we're going to live. And so this naturally falls into the end of life stuff. But I started to realize that it's so important for everybody to not just have a, a will, but a whole bunch of other stuff around planning end of life. So you're not you don't leave a huge mess for your family if you die unexpectedly. So that's my two offers. It's two things I'm I'm really putting out at the moment. Oh my gosh! So you're a dad of five. I'm a mom of five. <laughs> I actually just admitted this on another recent episode, but I don't have a will prepared. I don't have a power of attorney. I don't have a medical proxy or any like I don't even know the right words. 
I have nothing of that prepared. I'll send you a link to my quiz, then you can do it and, and only be slightly worried when you see the outcome. But it does have some helpful hints and tips on how to get started as well. What is the outcome going to be? You failed this test. It's time to get <laughs> uh, well, your butt in gear. That was the initial one. And then a couple uh-huh. of friends said to me, no, you really have to word it differently to that. So, yeah. So now it's um, it's worded very positively with some encouragement of the first steps you could take. But Patrick, <laughs> that goes back to what we were just talking about. Do we really need to be coddling people who don't have their stuff set up? And that was the nice way of putting it. Because seriously, I could go out tomorrow and, you know, just be going through the intersection and somebody who's playing on their phone hit me. Like, I, I don't mean to be negative on that, but it could happen. About a year ago, it nearly happened to us. I was waiting at lights. My wife was driving. I was in the passenger seat and the light went turned green. And I don't know if it was something at the corner of my eye, but I just said, Erica, stop. And so she stopped the guy behind us honked. And two seconds later, this guy about 40 miles an hour goes straight across the intersection. It was, she would have. We'd have probably both been dead. Oh, my goodness. I got goosebumps just thinking about that. My stepmother, maybe 20 years. Yeah, I guess it would have been 20 years ago. I can't believe it's been that many years ago when I was in college. But she she was driving and the sun was either rising or setting. So it was in that really uncomfortable mm, oh yeah. place in the sky where you've got the glare. You can't necessarily see the cars on the road. And she saw, or she thought that the... It wasn't an interstate, but she thought the county road where people could go, you know, 60 miles an hour. I don't know what that would equal in kilometers, but they can go fast. She thought it was clear. So she pulled out and she was in a Ford Mustang and an SUV broadsided her. And the Mustang was completely destroyed. She had broken everything, basically. She lived, but we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Pray for the best, prepare for the worst, right? Yep, that's a yep, a good approach. Absolutely great approach. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. Listeners, I'm going to ask you to keep me accountable to get all this set up <laughs> quickly. Please, you can keep on commenting on every single podcast until you hear an all clear, I've got it done. I will be on you, Kim, as well. I will, I'll send you the link and you can, <laughs> you'll get the list, you'll get the tick list of things to do. So, Thank you. Mm. What makes you most passionate about what you are doing and what are you most excited about in the next 30 days? Well, actually, next 30 days, a couple of things, one of which is, you know, I mentioned this quiz that I've got for a, for a preparing friend of life. I'm just putting a training behind it now that will basically walk people through all the pieces they have to do. And so I'm really excited about getting that finished and in the can, as it were. So it'll still it'll probably go out live the first time I do it. But in the next 30 days, my goal is to get that ready to roll. I'm really excited about that. And generally speaking, 
I'm just so excited. And again, if you, anyone who's done coaching will know that when you get a client and they just something just goes our heart in them. And I was to add, I was on a on with the clients before I got on this this call. And I thought I'd really said, you know, are we are we making you know, <laughs> are we making a difference here? And he says, that's been great. And there's these two or three things that have just really impacted his life. And to me, that's nothing greater than than that. That's just fantastic. I want to thank you for what you're doing. And I'm not wrapping up this episode, but so necessary. I can't even imagine. And I'm just going to put this out there. I've had a couple of cancer scares, never anything that was, you know, positive. No, let me try this. Say that again. The test results came back positive in the good way in that I was negative for cancer. Yeah. 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 I don't know the right way of saying that, but I think the point was across. And that was a moment that was more than a few moments, actually, if I'm going to be honest, of sheer panic of, oh my gosh, now I can't even imagine. And I pray that I won't ever have to go through what so many people, including a number of listeners are going through, of what happens if it doesn't come back with a good result. But I know that you are in the countryside How are you taking this to a bigger level? And are you finding any challenges for working internationally? Like, do you have to worry about any, I know you're not a, you're not an attorney or an accountant that I know of, but are you wording stuff? And I know that I'm rambling here, but Mm. wording stuff, you know, contact your attorney, contact your your accountant to make sure that you've got it set up because, oh my gosh, like I'm putting out some template contracts for virtual assistants to use and I'm having to be mindful. You know, this is just a template. You need to put this past your attorney. Oh yeah, I've got the disclaimer on on my website. Yeah, exactly. Because essentially what I'm doing is working across you know, what would push onto legal ground, what would put onto health grounds, and what would you know put onto sort of you know, therapist grounds and so forth, all of the above. And so my goal is to be knowledgeable enough about all those areas to coach people and then know when to refer them on something more specialist. And that's my goal in all of this. Because again, for most of it, even if it's something like say like creating a healthcare directive. Every state in the U.S. has got a template online. You can download and do it for free. You don't need to pay anybody to do it. But uh, And I can then help people with that and question them about what they're putting in and so forth without needing medical qualification. What I can't then do is do diagnosis and stuff like that, clearly. So I've made it very clear where my, where my line is. I do specialize in the U.S. really. Even though I'm a Brit, you probably figure that out from my accent, but I used to live in the States and I love the people. I love the lifestyle of a lot of the things out there. And I felt a real affinity to do that, especially... I think as well, there's less safety nets than there is in some parts of the world where I work and, and live. Uh, and it just feels more and more needful to provide some of that support. I want to jump topics just for a moment. Considering you are a father of five, and I am a mom of five, and you, uh, have, yeah. and you made a career transition, how has your transition affected the advice that you are giving to your children as far as their future careers that's really interesting i was earlier today i was actually having a coaching session with my with my middle son <laughs> he's 23 now i think yeah and uh, we were actually having a conversation about you know what really mattered in life and what his values were and so my background i was very techy i was very introverted very quiet and my wife's trained me over the years to be more more outgoing and i've i filled the gaps in that and so it's very much changed me as a person from just sorting some techie problem out to making a real difference in people's lives which is something that i've a lot of it has been fresh learning for me really uh which had some benefits is that 
things I have to do things very deliberately. <laughs> I don't. It's not. It's. I've had to be very deliberate what I do. But years ago, I did this do tell this story quite a bit to my friends but i had a book called it's called how to talk to anyone like your guide for parties my wife looked at it and said what are you that for it's all obvious well yeah it's obvious for you but for some of the rest of us it's a whole science we haven't learned <laughs> i resonate with that completely despite the fact that i am the host of this podcast i am also an introvert and i feel so awkward and big events like, what do I say? What do I say? And a lot of the times I would just not say anything because I'm like, I'm going to say something stupid. So I better just keep my mouth shut. You know what? Total Tangent, I highly recommend it. It's a book called How to Talk to Anyone. Lyle, Lowdes, L-O-W-D-S, I think. Yeah, it's a great book. <laughs> okay, we are going to have to find that for the show notes, which, by the way, listeners, you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP594. But yeah, that will be in there. So my husband, he claims to be an introvert and i've heard him on phone calls he'll give people like two minutes and then he'll say he has to go because <laughs> he just can't stand being on the phone but you wouldn't necessarily believe it because he's like in person he is extremely loud and i'm quite the opposite but as far as like in private He's very quiet. And if he doesn't know the people, he's very quiet. Yeah. But I have learned in the last seven years how to become, I don't want to say louder, but more vocal and more expressive and more confident in the words that come out of my mouth. I mean, he's a video game designer and I was a gamer before we even got together. So he got me into one of the games that he was in. And I'm just using this as an example. But we started doing raids, which is basically 20 people going together and fighting the big bad guy. And I needed <laughs> to get onto this platform that we were using and do voice chat with the people so we could all coordinate who was doing what. And I was so uncomfortable. I had never been on a podcast. I had never been on a Skype call. I had certainly never talked to anybody online before, which is hilarious because my husband and I actually met on Craigslist, but I was so scared. And now look, I mean, you're episode 594. Who would have thought that, Wow. you know, less than a decade ago, I was afraid to get behind a mic of any kind and they couldn't hear me. They, they kept on saying, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. You need to speak up. And it's not because my microphone settings weren't Right. It was because I was not putting any volume into my voice because yeah. I did not want to be heard. Yeah, I get it. So I want to go back to your conversation with your son. Well, I'm just going to put out there first. One of my oldest son is 16. And I asked him what he was thinking about doing, you know, after high school, because that's only a short two years away. Yeah, yeah. And he said, well, I was thinking about going to school for accounting, which... I got to be totally honest, instantly made me want to puke because <laughs> there's nothing that sounds more boring to me. But I asked him, I said, why do you want to do that? And I said it very nicely. I didn't say it with any tone. He's like, well, I've heard they make a lot of money. And I was like, okay, let's try this again. If it weren't about money, what do you want to do? He said, oh, I want to be a major league baseball umpire coach or umpire. It's <laughs> like, okay, so let's go for that instead. He's like, why? I was like, because I want you to be happy. I don't care about the money. The money will come. So yeah. when, like, with your son, and I'm sorry, this is being really nosy, like, have you had to show your kids or are you trying to show your kids that it's okay to follow purpose or passion or whatever's on your heart? 
Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's been a real theme, uh, and they—I mean, you've probably seen this again with your kids. They're all totally different. Oh, they're really goodness, they're, yes. they're so they're just so different in terms of what they what they're looking for out of life. And when I was going with my son through, I, I started with him this. I actually started with values. I did just a long list of here's some people, values people hold from things like accountability, being healthy, whatever. There's just about sort of fifty of these things, and he went through it, and he actually wrote down some things that. He cared about and things that he should care about. And I said, no, no, I'm not interested in what you think you should care about. I'm interested in what you actually care about. <laughs> I said, if you try and base your life on things you think you, quotes should care about, you'll never follow through. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I absolutely love that. So my 13-year-old is pretty popular. And we actually got into it last week. Like, I yelled at him because he wanted to go to see some friends and listeners, you've heard this before. I drive a 1996 GMC conversion van. It is not pretty, but that is something that I don't care about. It runs. I don't have to put any money into it except for gas. It works. It doesn't need to be pretty. It gets me from point A to point B. And he got mad because I was pulling into the parking lot and getting closer to his friends. He's like, stop, stop, stop. Oh, no. Like the, like the movie. That's, that's a movie clip, isn't it? That's a movie yes. clip. I'm like, What? <laughs> He's like, just let me off here. I'm like, are you serious? It's like, so you're going to be embarrassed about this van that works? He's like, yes. I'm like, okay, well, then let me tell you. If your friends are going to judge you on the type of vehicle that your mom drives, then they probably shouldn't be your friends. Hey, ma'am. Yeah. And this is a like a recurring theme because, and I've told him, he's like, when are you going to get a new car? I'm like, well, when are you going to pay for it? Seriously, dude. <laughs> like. There's more to it than the price tag associated with everything in our life. Because the higher the price tag does not mean the happier we are. Yeah, they're totally right. I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, if you ever, you know, you, you leave, put your arm on the desk and after 10 minutes, you don't feel the desk anymore because your arm hasn't moved. The same with anything in life, anything, any standard you get, anything you get, a new car or you new anything, after you've had it for a while, you kind of, it's just part of life and it doesn't make you any happier at all. It's only stepping back and appreciating what you currently have that, that will actually make any difference to your level of genuine happiness. Oh, my gosh, yes. I used to think I'll be happier when I have more money. And that mm. was like the recurring loop in my head. I'll be happier when I have more money. And I would love to know on what date it happened. But it was like I got hit in the head with a plank. It's like, really? Are you not happy now? And I realized, actually, I am happy now. So does it take more money? Or can you be happy eating ramen? Oh, I... I you know, I really can be happy eating ramen. I am happy eating ramen. Okay, well, let's just go with that then. Now, this comes up a lot at the end of life stuff as well, really, because you've some people, when they their options become more limited in terms of what they can do and what they can eat, actually become more appreciative of the fewer things they can do. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. And they go, wow, well, actually, what have I got? Well, I've still got this. I can still have a cool glass of water and it tastes great. You know, So it's fascinating how that happens. And, and so I say to people, why not start today? You know, you don't have to wait till something bad happens to appreciate what you've got now. Oh, my gosh. Have you read The Power of Now? Uh, yeah, the, the Eckhart Tolle, yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm working my way through like six books right now, and that is one mm. of them. And it's just been so eye-opening for me. Just, And I tried to teach. I'm, it, it, this is not the pick on my husband episode, but I was trying to explain to him how we are our watchers of our own thoughts. Mm. He didn't get it at first. but I honestly don't know if he gets it yet but i found myself when i get into those ruts 
now I find myself reminding myself to take a step back and watch them. Yeah, yeah. And it's so much easier. Yeah. I've been studying a lot lately of uh, something called ACT. It's a form of form of CBT called acceptance commitment therapy and it it's very very much about stepping back and looking at those difficult thoughts rather than trying to push them away just recognizing they're they're not controlling you you don't have to be hooked to them yes yes in 2009 I was introduced to a chiropractor through a local networking group and I went in for a free adjustment and he quickly became a good friend but he introduced me to the law of attraction and up until that point, I had a dark cloud over my head 24-7. Wow. And I didn't realize that I am the one person who can decide if I'm happy or not. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's going on. I mean, listeners, you've heard me share about when we were going through financial struggle, the water was shut off. And on that day, it snowed. So we still laugh about it. We laughed about it that day. My husband told the kids to go outside and get some snow and put it in the toilet so that mom could still go pee inside. But because they're boys, they could go outside, you know? But we had a choice that day. Do we get pissed off and stressed and scared because we didn't have money to pay it right at that very second? Or do we laugh at it, enjoy it, and make it into a story that we can share at Thanksgiving 30 years in the future? I was wondering another one of your guests. who were Matthew Ferry, I think it was. I think he'd said, yeah, just admit your mind isn't your friend. It's oh. a survival mechanism. Yes. <laughs> yes. If it is our friend, then it sure lies a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, mine tell lots of stories that just aren't true. And the, the ability to step back and diffuse yourself, unhook yourself from those difficult thoughts and feelings and, and narratives is so powerful. Absolutely. Patrick, how has your life changed since you started your business? Oh, it's immensely. So I used to be, a, you know, five years ago, I was a corporate drone. And I was kind of happy with that level. But when I started being a business owner for myself, I suddenly had to find new resources. I had to find the ability to get up in the morning and motivate myself. And that that was quite a challenge at first. Now I've, I've got structures I use and that works for me, but it's been a, a big change. And also it's deepened my faith. I think I'm a Christian and it's it's really take me back to it's take me back to my faith to go back and say, you know, just I need to, you know, I need to pray about that again and just check it's the right thing to do. And so I've had more and more kind of day-to-day hour-to-hour decisions that I've been mine to make that before I just, you know, you kind of punch in and you do your stuff and you go home. That's really stretched me and really, really encouraged me, I think, in my life journey. Plus as well, a peril of mission. I think I probably moved out of the corporate because I wanted a lifestyle business. But what I found was a real why, a real passion. Absolutely. Now I had to ask though, are you spending more time in your work now than you were before? I am trying not to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I keep, I keep a timesheet so my wife can check on me. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to have a very good contract about 18 months ago, which has given me some financial space to give this the time to make it work. But yeah, I am really trying. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, if it's maybe two or three years ago, I don't have a date, but my husband said to me, he's like, I see more of the back of your head than I do of your face. <laughs> And that was yeah, that was telling. an eye opener to me because he saw more of me when I was working outside of the home than he was at that moment with me working inside the home. And okay, this is a cheat, but I turned around my desk, so if he comes into the office now, he actually oh, doesn't see my face. <laughs> but I'm still working Points. on that. <laughs> 
I'm still working yeah, on well, it. I don't know about you. Yeah. I don't know about you, though, but actually sometimes you have to hide away and, and get the flow and, and do flow. And you can probably do more in an hour or two of full flow than you can in five or six hours of having the laptop while you're trying to watch TV at the same time, which is oh, just so yeah. unproductive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, there's that pain sometimes of just trying to get through one, one hour training. And when you don't do it at the right time of day, and I'd love to know what your peak performance time is for yourself. But if I don't do those activities that really need my full attention first thing in the morning, then I know that my my brain capacity and my attention span is not going to be there. I mean, I've had a half a cup of coffee so far, but you wouldn't have even known it just when we jumped in. And you wouldn't have known it based on the recording that I did before yours, because this is my peak performance time. Mm. But by like my sister is part of my team now, and sometimes we'll get on a call late at night, and I can barely. It sounds like I'm drunk. I'm not drunk, but I'm just way past that point of being able to do anything effectively. It's like, look, if you want training or if you need details, we need to do this earlier in the day. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think yeah. it's pretty common. Yeah, I'm pretty your, similar. You're, you're similar. Yeah, I do sort of nine till twelve in the, in the morning, and then if I want to carry on, I mean, again, one of the joys of a business over, you can business owner, you can do your own schedule. So I, I kind of go to the gym at lunchtime and just take an hour or two off and just refresh it up, and then go, then go back. Yeah, that I find really useful. But yeah, I have to if I just do in a little bit of planning at the start of the day and make sure that I know when I'm going to be working and when I've scheduled some breaks in, it's just so much more effective than just sitting down at the computer, switching it on and saying, oh, what shall I do now? I love that you said schedule your breaks in. Actually, I got a pop-up on my computer about exactly 18 minutes ago reminding me to get up because I will easily find myself sitting at my desk for hours. And then all of a sudden I get up because I have to get up for something else. And I'll realize... <laughs> And sorry for the TMI, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't gone pee for eight yeah, hours. Yeah, that's what. You, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my bladder is like in my toes. No, people that I did not say on my toes. I'm not <laughs> in my pants here, but I'm like, I didn't even realize because I've been so in it that I haven't even taken those little breaks for self care. So. <laughs> well, that's impressive. We can do that for eight hours. I don't think I can do that for eight hours. Yeah. It was a joke growing up that I was the one in my family who could get from Western New York all the way down to Florida without, like, they knew they didn't have to wake me up on at the rest stops. That was a 27-hour drive. Wow. Yeah, I, I can't do that anymore. Getting older means that you can't go 27 hours. But, yeah, it was just a joke with my family. <laughs> Better sleep. <laughs> She'll be, you don't wake me up when I'm sleeping. It's a bad thing if you wake me up. Yeah. Well, Patrick, this has been amazing. I love that you are helping people who are going through those rough times as well as preparing them for their rough times. Where can listeners find you online, connect, and get to know more? Uh, so the best thing is to go to my website, which is unfinishedbusiness.life. The .com had gone. I couldn't buy it. So but it's unfinishedbusiness.life is the best way to, to find me. And then there will be a, a direct link on there to a quiz, which you can take straight away for how ready are you uh, and also if uh, any, anybody who's particularly in in need or perhaps they're in the place where they have literally walked out the doctor's office with a, them or a loved one with a with a really difficult diagnosis you can schedule an appointment with me to speak to me and um, we can explore together if, if we could be working together so they're both on my website and, and it's very easy to do and you're very welcome to do that awesome so unfinished business 
life. But listeners, if you are driving, please don't go while you are driving. If you're trying not to fall off the exercise equipment, if you're trying not to burn dinner, go when you have a chance to the kimsatin.com. Oh I my heard gosh. About I did it again last <laughs> night. I burnt the French fries. That Kim Sutton.com forward slash PP594. You know what it is though, Patrick? My intention is in so many other places. Like I start getting ideas when I'm cooking and I'm like, oh, I can just take a quick second, go look this on or go look at this. And then that quick second turns into 15 minutes and all of a sudden, you know, I start smelling the smoke and I realize, oh, <laughs> there it goes again. So it's just better for my family if I don't cook. <laughs> then you go back to reading The Power of Now and do mindful cooking. <laughs> uh, I think I'll just let any. Uh, it's my husband's genius zone. It's better if we stay in our genius zones, right? Quite right, sweet. Yeah. Good plan. Yeah. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. I would love if you would share a golden nugget or a parting piece of advice with the listeners. Okay. Maybe just a, a myth about dying, which is where people have got a silly idea that talking about it makes it more likely to happen. And when I say it like that, it does sound a bit silly, but here's the catch. Instinctively, we think that. So many people who are struggling with death get shut down by their friends if they try and talk about it. They say, no, let's be positive. So... I'd encourage you to not just ignore that, but to be prepared to open the conversation and have an honest conversation about death and about the future. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.